Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Brandon Geyer. Brandon played seven years in the big leagues, just recently retired. Actually, this past summer was in big league spring training in 2020 with uh, the Giants before COVID hit. And he had a fantastic career. Talks a little about his career in this episode. And, you know, one of the things that we value here and this podcast is player development. So we talk a lot about mechanics. We talk about pitching, hitting, defense. But the one thing we haven't really hit too much on is nutrition and how important nutrition plays in our development as baseball players, really as people, but specific, more specifically baseball players. And so Brandon is, is certified. He's a nutritionist. He's something that he's always been passionate about it. He talks a lot about in this episode of his own experience and what he would do during the season to stay one step ahead, um, just because it's not always the greatest um, spread of food when you're in the minor leagues especially so this is a really great episode just because it's not something that's talked a lot about so he gives tips on what to eat during games before games after games and I think it's it's gonna it is fantastic I've already done the episode so I shouldn't say it's, it's gonna be fantastic it is a fantastic episode so now ladies and gentlemen I present to you the man who holds the record for most hit by pitches in the history of major league baseball here is Brandon Geyer All right, we now welcome on Brandon Geyer. Brandon, thanks for coming on today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first off, man, congrats on a great career. I know you you know you just recently retired, and uh, you know last week we had uh, Adam Rosales on, and as soon as he got done, you know, playing, he immediately you know jumped in to get into the coaching <laughs> realm. No break, nothing. Same thing with you. No break, nothing. Like you're going immediately into your next uh, endeavor. Why, why not take some sort of break? Like, did you know later on in your career, like you, this is what you wanted to do? I knew I wanted to give back in some way and, and, you know, kind of utilize the knowledge I had and, and kind of sh- and share it with like the next generation of athletes, how exactly I was going to do that. I, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, during, uh, well, I was in spring training with the giants. We got, got sent home with COVID and kind of just, uh, sitting around and, Honestly, a old coach from the Cubs uh, in um, in Chicago, sorry, the White Sox in the minor leagues reached out and said, hey, will you do a Zoom nutrition with some of, some of the guys that I coach? And I said, yeah, sure. And I hadn't do, done a Zoom yet. So I, uh, I did that and, you know, it was like 45 minutes just talking about nutrition because that's always been a passion. And it was, you know, the feedback was great. I really enjoyed it. I was like, wow, well, this could be a tool. Um, you know, I can reach athletes all over the country, you know, really all over the world um, and not have to really work in person with them. And I can go over different, you know, nutrition, you know, it's also uh, mindset training. Um, so that's how the fully equipped athlete kind of came about. And um, that's, that's really, that's really all I got. Well, I feel really qualified to talk about this just because I, you know, my breakfast routine is like this morning I had oatmeal blueberries, banana, peanut butter. For lunch, I had this homemade soup. I didn't make it, but so I feel, I'm feeling very healthy today. So I, I definitely think that I'm on the right call here, but was this something from a nutritional standpoint throughout your career where, were you really focused on that? I mean, did you notice when you 
were playing when you were eating well and it affecting your performance versus when you weren't and it negatively affecting your performance? Yeah, hundred percent. It kind of started for me in high school. Uh, my dad, you know, wasn't super healthy, but um, kept healthier food uh, in our house. And then, you know, to, to kind of get me away from the, the cafeteria food, he would kind of, you know, make some food and I'd bring it in to eat that instead of the cafeteria food. So that kind of instilled in me the, the early habits of eating healthy. Um, and then at an early age, seeing how not only how it made me feel energy wise, but um, could be as efficient as possible with my body. Um, Cause I feel like the better shape you're in, probably the more success you're going to have, your performance is going to be better. Um, so both as an energy and also um, just feeling, feeling good. And, you know, the more in shape I was or anyone is, you're going to be faster, you're going to be quicker um, and it's just going to help out. So it started at an early age and once I saw those results and, and felt it, I was like, okay, I'm going to just keep trying to learn, keep trying to take it to another level. Um, so I did that in, in high school, college, um, and then just continued to grow. And I, I knew when I was playing, I just, it was something I wanted to get a, uh, become a sports nutritionist um, whenever I was done playing. So I jumped right into that when I retired and, you know, just continue to try to learn and learn ways to apply it and, and train you know, I did it for myself and, you know, I worked with some, some teammates during, uh, when I played, but, uh, you know, I wanted to really learn practical ways to apply it to help coach and train, uh, athletes. So, um, yeah, it's been something I've really been into for a long time. How did you combat the minor league eating habits and just what you were like the spread of a minor league clubhouse with trying to eat healthy? Yeah, I think for the most part, it's just being prepared. I, a lot of times I would, you know, a lot of people gave me, gave me crap for it. I, I had a huge carry on bag. So like before a long road trip or something, I would go to a local grocery store and just stock up on good snacks, good food, whether it was jerky, you know, apple, fruit, or, you know, really whatever. I would just have good, healthy stuff and I'd bring it on the road or where, uh, wherever we are, I would bring it into the home clubhouse, kind of stock the clubhouse or stock my locker with, with healthy like protein bars, just stuff for good fuel. So, you know, at times, you know, it was obviously hard and, and I wasn't able to do it. And, you know, I just try to be smart with whatever food they have. And I'll tell you what, nowadays I was in spring training with the giants this past year. And even in the minor leagues, it was amazing. Like the food, I feel like most teams nowadays, even in the minor leagues, the food quality is better and better because they're really seeing um, how much it can help their, the, the athlete and the baseball player. Um, so, yeah, I, I was known as that guy with a huge carry-on bag or suitcase with just food. No clothes in it, just food and <laughs> snacks. <laughs> so. what, what is the biggest difference uh, for those out there listening? In, in your experience, just I guess maybe this past year you said the Giants were, you know, teams are starting to move on and, and – get up to date on, on how important nutrition is. But I guess earlier on in your career, was there a huge difference between when you played in the minor leagues, the food nutrition versus when you went in the big leagues? I mean, was it straight up just PB and J in the minor leagues and then whatever you mm -hmm. wanted in the big leagues? Yeah, for the most part, um, PB and J was a go-to and I still did that from time to time, but yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. And even my first couple of years in the big leagues, it was, it was healthier than the minor leagues. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't where it is nowadays. Like a lot of teams, I'm pretty sure every team has a chef or two chefs. They're cooking, 
you know, meals before the game, you know, when you get it, when you get to the field, you'll have a good meal before the game, good meal after the game, the quality and how healthy it is, um, is, is really changed so much. Now they, they still have options. Like, you know, if you're, if you don't want to, if you're not into that kind of food, you still have options to eat whatever you want. But I would say there's a lot more cleaner options nowadays. And if, if you're a player who wants to eat healthy, you know, it's all accessible to you and it's uh it's really cool to see i get the the whole this whole science behind the calories and intake and you know versus how much how many calories you burn and when you're trying to put on weight or lose weight and all that but how do you how do you get a get someone to consume a certain amount of calories without overwhelming them with i don't know like calculators on counting every single calorie i mean for a while i was trying to lose some weight and all these apps. Like I never put any of the things in the apps and I was able, I did lose the weight, but it wasn't because of, I mean, it just, it felt like too much, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, so how do you go about getting someone to gain weight without having to always think about calories? Yeah. I think counting calories is, is for those, you know, if you're a, a bodybuilder or you're an MMA fighter trying to cut weight, or if you really have a competition coming up where it's necessary, do that. For most athletes, I wouldn't, I don't think it's, you don't need, definitely don't need to do that. Um, so basically when I work with athletes, if they want to lose or gain weight, it just comes down to energy balance. Um, you know, how many calories in, how many calories out, how many calories are you burning? You know, obviously then the calories you want to take in, you want to have less than the calories, um, that that you're actually burning so it's just a simple math like that and then um as far as like calculating portion you know precision nutrition who i got the uh my certification from they do um portion sizes with like all right a cupped hand is one serving carbohydrates um a fist is a serving of vegetables um your thumb is a serving of fat um and then your palm is a serving of protein and then based off of, you know, if your goal is to gain weight, okay, then maybe you should get six to 10 servings or six to 10 palms of protein per day. It makes it easier than actually counting the calories and measuring everything out. Cause you, I mean, you have your hand everywhere you go. Most people do. So you just use your hand for, for the, the measuring. Um, but even, even with that, that's another level as well. You can just simply just focus on eating good nutrient dense food, eating real food, eating less processed food. Um, and then it comes down to, you know, how much, how much energy are you burning during the day and you know, what, what the athlete's goal is, you know, that's really, um, can be as simple as that. Were you, were you big protein shake guide throughout the day to help help fuel the body with just get some more grams of protein in? I mean, is that something that would help kids listening to this? Yeah. Um, Cause the only reason I bring that up is I was talking to Zan Barksdale when I had him on the podcast, he's a catching guy. And he was saying that, you know, you can have too much protein at this at two. Now again, like you're more of a, you're, you're more of the expert of the nutrition, but mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Can you have too much protein? Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to put on muscle, you want to try to have close to a pound or more um, or gram per pound of body weight, uh, I would say generally, you know, everyone's different, but um, protein shake. Yeah, that, that's huge. 
I always tell people who ask about supplements and everything like that, focus on getting your, your nutrients from eating just real food first. And then obviously if you, if you need the extra protein or need, you don't uh, eat a lot of vegetables, something like that, have a greens powder to get your, your vegetables in. Um, but as far as protein shakes go, yeah, definitely. Um, I have two a day because right now I'm working with someone who's trying to put on weight, put on muscle. So I'm kind of doing the program with him, with him. Um, so I'm really trying to get a really high amount of protein in per day. So I'm having a big shake right after uh, I work out, which is right around 30 grams of protein. To answer your question, I wouldn't go too, too much above that because your body just can't simply digest that all at once. So um, I would say 20 to 30 grams, maybe a little more is good after, you know, for a protein shake. Um, and then I have that a couple times a day just to really, you know, although I focus on eating healthy nutrient dense food and protein at every meal, sometimes that doesn't add up to the amount of grams I'm looking to get per day. So that's when you supplement with a, like a protein shake. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big protein bar guy. I think probably get a little lazy and need to start preparing a little bit ahead of time, but when you were playing during games and and maybe you could elaborate on you working with guys and what you tell certain players on you know what to eat during games like is that a thing that you think guys should be doing more of because a baseball game is a long time and it's a really long time if you're not I would assume giving your your body calories for sure I mean it's fuel and really it I think the most important thing, you just got to get carbohydrates in, whether during the game, it's an apple, it's a banana. Um, if you chew uh, sunflower seeds, that's good fat, and fat is good for energy as well. But the main fuel source for the body is carbohydrates. So um, I always tell them to have, a, um, have some fruit during the game, have the sunflower seeds. Um, before something I always did before I went out just to get a simple, quick energy, simple sugar, I would just take a shot of raw honey. I always had it at my locker. Really? Um, yeah. And just a quick energy, um, uh, bef right before I went out. But besides that, I would, I always had something during the game, maybe the fourth, fifth inning I'd run in, have an apple, have a banana, um, maybe with a little peanut butter on it. Or like I said, I always had sunflower seeds, um, you know, just good fuel and, and you feel the difference when you play and it, it makes a big difference in your performance. I'm sure it makes a big difference from the recovery standpoint too. And, and I bring that up because I remember, I don't know if it was a few years ago, they were showing Chapman left and right, like just crushing Red Bulls uh, during, during the game. Did, <laughs> was that something, did you ever try that? Um, Red Bulls, I, I have for sure, but I did not like them. I just, I found like it would give me that energy, but then I would just crash. So I was just a coffee guy. Um, I think that's all you need. You, you drink in the Red Bull to get the caffeine. So coffee has caffeine without chemicals and sugar, stuff like that. So espresso coffee, that was my go-to. And, you know, in, in the Cleveland locker room, the last two years I was there, they had like a cold brew thing on tap. So you could just get it whenever you wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, so it made it easy. Uh, so yeah, the, as far as Red Bull, man, that was, I know a lot of guys do it and it works for whatever reason, generally for me and for other people that I've worked with that you just crash. So you just what about that. a pre-workout? And, and that's something I remember about 10 years ago is when Jack 3D came out for the first time. It was about, yeah, a little over 10 years ago. I mean, I was so addicted to that thing and now it's, it's definitely moved on, but I mean, it is having a pre-workout important. 
No, oh, well, caffeine is for sure a performance enhancer can, in, in a, like a natural way, uh, clean. Uh, but where you get it from matters. The Jack 3D, I don't even know. I, I remember that. I think I remember it's illegal that. now. Yeah. 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 I think someone got popped. There's, you never know what was in that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely energy stuff out there that you can, you know, powder or drinks that, you know, some are better or cleaner nowadays. But I, I personally, I think at the end of the day, it's hard to beat coffee and espresso. Um, and then, you know, it, it I don't know why, if you just want the caffeine and you want that rush, uh, why, why go and have like an NO explode or something like that? Um, when you can just get it from simple coffee. Um, well, I just wasn't sure cause I knew there's creatine in it. And so some people are like, you need creatine, you need all these in it. It can be overwhelming. It's like, whoa, like what do I actually mm-hmm. need? Cause you hear all this stuff online. It had, yeah. So creatine's good. And it's one of the supplements I definitely recommend. For most people, I got to say, generally, depending on the situation, but um, that's something you can take afterwards. It doesn't have to be in your pre-workout because um, really you're just you're just getting helping your body because uh, during when you work out, you're you're kind of depleting your ATP, which is kind of energy at a cellular level. So it helps produce more ATP once you're you know depleted. So if you have it afterwards, it does the same thing. But I just feel like there's a lot of added chemicals to most, not all, but most uh, pre-workouts out there. Um, so that's yeah, how I look at it. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's a good point. I also do think what you were saying earlier about just how someone got popped for that Jack 3D. I mean, I think you got to be really careful. Major League Baseball has some of the uh, hardest testing when it comes to that stuff. So even it's just to your point, you sticking with coffee is definitely the, the safest way to go. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm talking to athletes about supplements, I always say, okay, look for NSF. Um, I think MLB is NSF, like this, uh, the certification on it. That way, you know, if it has that, you're safe. Um, another one, Informed Choice is a really good organization certification to look for as well. But for baseball, I would recommend NSF. Um, and I would say, so whey protein, super important, creatine, krill oil good good omegas good for your body good for your joints good for inflammation um glutamine really good for like gut health and for for recovery um trying to look for greens powder i already told you about that and then lastly is a is gut health you know so much science and research is coming about out about how important your gut is um it's almost like a second brain in there and it controls so much of your emotions your feelings everything so taking a pre prebiotic a probiotic um those are kind of all the the handful of supplements um including vitamin d that i recommend what about i see you're wearing a whoop band i saw it on your website too is that something you like guys like guys doing especially baseball players yeah i mean sleep and well it's good for sleep but it's also good so you're not overtraining. and something i did way you know before i had whoop and a lot of times in my career i would overtrain just because in my head i wanted I just, what gave me confidence was knowing I was always prepared and consciously just knowing in my head that no one was outworking me, but it's a good and bad thing to be like that. Cause I would overtrain and get injuries a lot. So this is good for, um, you know, days where you might not feel great, but you still work out. But now if you have whoop, okay, it shows you're in the red. So it's, it's something in your body, you know, is telling you, Hey, you got to take it easy. This, you're, you're stressed. You have too much going on. You've been working too hard. Take it easy and get a recovery day in. 
Um, and recovery is the name of the game. That's where your muscles grow. Um, and it, it's so important. So working with athletes now in recovery, uh, I recommend the whoop, um, or just, you know, really try to listen to your body and, and work smart, not don't, you know, work hard, but you got to work smart. Um, cause it's just not worth it if you're, if you're pulling something or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. I, I like to kind of like transition a little bit and just talk about your experience when just from the mental side of the game. And you talked a little bit about how, you know, you'd notice your performance when you were eating healthy and nutrition wise, but was that also, I'm sure it was directly related to your, your mental game too, because I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast on the way over here. I know I, I mentioned it before we started recording and one of the quotes in it was, um, this guy said, you know, you take the, the strongest man in the world and you, you don't allow him to eat. He doesn't become that he's not the strongest man in the world anymore. You know, he's not the toughest dude in the world anymore. So it, it is interesting the the mental side of it, what's, what's your experience in just the mental game and, and, and just kind of maybe take us through your own journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, right up there with nutrition, right up there with the physical work you do. Um, I like to think that, you know, you could, you could be the strongest guy, have the best swing in the world, but if you can't lay off that slider, if you don't have an approach at the plate, if you can't handle failure, if, you know, you um, lose confidence quick and don't know how to get it back, it doesn't matter what kind of swing you have. It doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are, because if you can't hit the ball and you can't think and have a good approach, um, then, then what, the, what good does that stuff do? So, um, for me, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I struggled with failure. Um, I was so competitive and almost a perfectionist that, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, I found I didn't have as much fun because I just, you know, I, I, fi- I find I was three for four. And then all I think about is that one at bat, I didn't do good. And, you know, while it's a good thing, you know, you got to find a happy medium. Um, and really it's about what I like to work with is athletes on elite mindset. Um, just really enhance your perspective, you know, which is your mindset, you know, the way you see yourself, your, whatever situation is the world enhance your perspective. Cause the way you think off the field directly influences the way you're going to perform and feel and be able to relax and have confidence on the field. So just an enhanced perspective, um, really, helps uh performance and i I found that out as i started to work on this stuff uh later on in college and just continued to take it to another level um was fortunate enough to work with some great sports psychologists like ken revisa in uh, tampa bay for a couple years um, and then howard falco um, when i was with the indians so learned a lot from them and you know the the mind is a powerful thing and and i feel like at the end of the day as you keep advancing levels, you know, high school, college, minor leagues, big leagues, the game just continues to speed up. So if you don't find ways to slow the game down, slow your mind down, then it's going to be a struggle. And, uh, and um, I think the mind, nutrition, are just ways to, to gain an edge and, and uh, slow the game down. What were some of the ways that you were able to slow the game down when you felt it kind of getting a little bit faster? Um, breathing was my number one thing. I made a post about it today. I think I've made a couple posts since fully equips come about because breathing was so important to me. Um, it was just a good reset or in a big situation that helped me lower my heart rate, 
Um, it made big at bats late in the game. Um, you know, when you're anxious and some people you can get tense, it helped me just relax and feel like it was any other at bat. Um, so breathing was a go-to. Um, then something, you know, when I was hitting, I'd like to just have three thoughts in my head. Um, and really was breathe, like take a deep breath and control my breathing, um, get ready slow and early. And then whatever my approach was, most of the time it was line drive, the right center field. I found when I was best, I was thinking three things, you know, for everyone, it doesn't have to be those three things. That's what worked best for me. So the breathing helped me relax, getting ready slow and early helped me be in sync with the pitcher and get on time to get to a good contact point. And then lastly, my, my ultimate um, approach or, you know, where I wanted to hit the ball, which was mostly right center field, depending on the pitcher and the situation. Um, so those things probably helped me out the most. And then visualization was also huge. And, um, you know, I don't know if you want to get into that, but, you know, we can. Yeah, I mean, last week with Adam, we, we talked, he talked a little bit about visualization and how, you know, a lot of that, him doing T work, allowed him to, to visualize and how he one of his hitting coaches would throw behind an, an L screen into the L screen and, and he'd, he'd hit the ball off the tee. So he'd visualize the ball coming in and then he'd hit it off the tee. And that helped him a lot. Um, is there, was there anything that helped you? I mean, was it, I mean, some guys, maybe they go in and they meditate eyes closed in a corner and they visualize that way. I mean, I assume you can pretty much visualize in anywhere really. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is that the brain can't distinguish what you're, you know, vividly thinking and visualizing between doing physical work and studies and after study have shown, you know, that kind of results, like what you're thinking and visualizing your brain thinks it's the same thing as actually doing the physical work. So it just speeds up the learning curve, um, helps with confidence, help, helps with acquiring whatever skill you're after. Um, but the best part was, so in Cleveland, for example, I would just go into the sleep room that they had before games and, and visual first, just work on my breathing, just to help me relax and then visualize whatever picture it was we were facing that day. Um, and for example, the world series with, with Chapman, I knew, you know, the, when we found out we were playing them, I'm just using him as an example, but I did this for so many pitchers, just visualize an at bat against him. Um, so I'll close my eyes, you know, I'll try to use as many as my, of my senses as possible. Like imagine me digging into the dirt, um, my pre, you know, pitch routine, um, visualize an audio, like hear the crowd, um, how my body's feeling. And then I'll simply just visualize him pitching me, getting ready slowly, slow and early and just visualizing at bat, just run through it and visualize success. And at the same time, practice facing adversity, um, not just for, hitting, but you know, whatever it is in life, you got to practice facing adversity. So when you face it, it's nothing new. You feel like you've been there before. Um, but to get back to Chapman, I visualized success. I visualized the line drive, the right center field so many times in my head off of him, like I'd hit in the world series. Um, does that mean it's always going to happen? No, but in that situation, the biggest at bat of my career, I felt like I had been there before. Um, and it just felt like a normal at bat for me. Um, so that's what, that's the power of visualization, um, and what it can do for really anybody out there. Mm, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. It, so did you get a hit to right center field off Chapman? Yeah, man, I was, dude, it got down Oh two. And on, in my head, I, I, I visualized probably every scenario. I, I, oh, getting down 0-2, I got it back to 3-2. 
hit a line drive to right center field. That was in the bottom of the eighth. And then Rajay Davis next at bat tied the game. Oh, his at bat was the next at bat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then he tied the game. Um, man, I still get, I still get goosebumps. That was crazy. That was, well, first of all, I mean, for you're down Oh two to Chapman to get it back to three, two. That's incredible. I mean, that's a win right there. That's incredible. Oh man. Yeah. He, uh, it, it was surprising that at bat and the times that I faced him in the world series, he didn't really throw me any off speed. Um, so it makes it a little easier when not that I knew he was throwing fastball, but you know, you just have your sights set on fastball and the more you see it, you know, like your eyes get used to the velo. It doesn't mean it's easy, but you know, the more you train your eyes, uh, something else I like to do a lot. We had an iron mic in the, in the cage in Cleveland. I would like to do actually did it before I came in that game um, is get you know, closer and further away from the iron mic just to train the eyes. I did, I wouldn't always swing, but I would get close to it just to see velo and just like track it, track it. Mm. So training the eyes. Training so you weren't the, even, you weren't even swinging. Sometimes I did. Um, other times I really just wanted to train my eyes uh, and there's various ways to go about that, but you know, sometimes I would stop on contact just to see contact. Um, but, you know, anything that you can do to, if you're facing a guy who's throwing high velo, um, you know, you got to utilize it. So when you're facing a guy like Chapman, and this could be really anybody, are you picking certain pitches out? Are you saying, like, I'm hunting slider only here? I'm only hunting fastball only here, nothing else. If I see anything else, I'm taking. Yeah, against someone with that, you cannot. I mean, most of the time, it's hard against anyone to be a reactionary hitter, especially against someone like that. So I was just hunting fastball, um, and then with two strikes, I, fortunately, I had a pretty short swing. But even with two strikes, just try to make it even shorter, choke up a little bit, and um, you know, with those guys, you you know, the harder you swing, it's not the better. So you just want to be nice and short and quick to the ball. Um, that's, that's the approach I took against him and, and a lot of other guys who threw high velo. How often did, were you focused on your mechanics? Um, probably more than I should have been, but I'll tell you what, working with, uh, one of the hitting coaches in Tampa Bay when I was there, Jamie Nelson, he, he changed everything for me. He, he was more, oh, he was great with the mechanics and everything, but we talked more about the mindset and, and the mental approach and how your approach fixes your mechanics. You know, 99% of the time you're, you don't hit the ball well or you're off because you pull an early or late trigger or you, you try to do too much. You know, you have a set approach of line drive right center field, but then it gets 2031 and you get big and you try to do too much. You don't stay committed to that approach. Um, so before that, I would, you know, after a bad game, I'd be like, you know, I got to change my hands or I got to open up my stance or I got to develop this new swing where really it was everything starts with a thought. And I, I worked with Nelly, like I, I like to call him in, in Tampa Bay, and he changed everything. You know, he, he's big on like checkpoints after an at-bat. All right, did you stay committed to your approach? Were you on time? Um, so the load phase was huge. Were you on time? Did you swing at a pitch you were looking for, or did you swing at a pitch and just get yourself out? Um, and did you keep your head on the ball or did you pull your head off? You know, and that five, five checkpoint checklist, if you can say yes to the first four, number five, the ending result, most of the time, if you can say yes to those, 
that result will be a yes, you hit the ball hard. Um, so it comes down to those four things. I think most of the time it's not, you know, the mechanics of the swing. It's what you're thinking at the plate and your plan of attack. Why, why do you think so often everyone goes to mechanics? Do you think that's just a natural human thing? Because it, happen, it happens to everyone. I mean, you even said that you thought, I mean, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question because I was certainly guilty of it. I was still guilty of it at times, even after working with Nelly and getting traded to Cleveland. You know, I'd get in ruts and I'd be like, okay, maybe it's – I got to change something else. I didn't do it as much as I did earlier in the career, but – you're right. I think it's just like a natural, natural thing we do. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's changing and some people are starting to realize at a, at an earlier age that, you know, it's more of the mindset and it's more of what your actual approach is when you're trying to hit and it's your plan. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> hmm, yeah. It would be awesome if we had something that could measure, we had some piece of technology that could measure the brain. You know, we have all these technologies that can measure the body and, you know, kinematic sequence and all these things. Like, I want something that can measure the brain and, and uh, you know, as we're talking about the thoughts and emotions and you know, that, now, now we're talking. Now we can truly do some stuff. Yeah, the closest thing I've seen to that is, is the Muse headband that you, you can wear when you meditate. And it kind of, it's actually a really cool technology. You put it on and, you know, it, it'll, it can track your brain waves. And if you're, you know, not thinking good, it kind of gets louder. You hear um, different sounds. And then when you, your brain is focused on present moment and, you know, just not thinking about anything else, it can read your brain waves and um, a different kind of sound will play. So that's the most I've seen about that. But you're right. It'd be cool if there's other ways to do it. Now you do, you, you help run DBAT, right? A facility uh, near you in Maryland. I mean, are you, are you implementing a lot of this stuff with, with them too? I know you have your own website. We'll make sure to put the link up on the show notes and everything too. But what are you doing at DBAT? Yeah, so I uh, got in with them late. They had been building this facility for a long time. And um, now I'm one of the owners at this facility and, and the director of mental performance and nutrition. And um, the cool thing we're doing, we just started clinics. Uh, we opened two weeks ago. And we're combining hitting and mental. It's something I'd never seen before. Um, and the director of baseball operations thought it would be a cool idea. I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so we're starting with kids at, at nine all the way through high school. And so for half of the class, it's an hour and a half, we will, they'll do the hitting. Um, and we'll split it up in groups. And then the other half will be with me. And we'll do the uh, mental skills training, um, whether it's visualization handling failure, building that elite mindset, you know, enhancing your perspective, finding ways to slow the game down, um, learning a big league approach so you can go up there and you're not just a reactionary hitter. So we're combining the mental and the physical there. Um, and I had never seen it before. So, so far it's been going good. And, you know, obviously at a younger age, you, you don't want to um, try to implement too many things. You just want to focus on them going out and having fun and, and playing the game and not getting too much added pressure, which I, the, since I've retired, the kids I've worked with so far, I found that a lot of them are getting, having so much pressure and they're not having fun with the game either. It's, you know, the parents are putting a lot of pressure on them, um, coaches, um, stuff like that. So at the same time, you don't want to put too much pressure on them, but you want to try to instill good habits and, and a right way of thinking uh, when playing the game. 
Do you talk to parents at all about that? If you if you see that they're being a helicopter parent? Um, so I have not yet. I brought up to the other people at the facility, you know, maybe once a month we do a, a parent's clinic um, to really show them and explain, you know, what what is happening, what what they're kind of doing to the kid by adding this pressure to them. You know, I, a lot of kids are almost close to not wanting to play anymore because it's just not fun and they – you know, a lot of them struggle with their 0 for 4. They're they're upset. You know, obviously they want to do good, but then they talk about the car ride home. They got to deal with their parents in the car and hearing, you know, what were you doing that? Why did you swing that pitch? You know, so it's just it makes it not fun. And I was so fortunate. My dad was just laid back and just let me go out and play. And I'm not saying there's, you know, there's a super right way and super wrong way to do it. But I just think if parents will have more awareness of maybe what they're doing and the added pressure they're adding to these kids, especially at a young age, um, that could help out. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. I mean, they just may not know that they're a doing more harm than good. And, you know, they love their kids. So they're just want to help too. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not a parent. I know. I think you know, you, you have kids. Yeah. So I'm sure maybe it, maybe you have a different perspective on that than, than I do, but I'm sure it just can't be easy when it's someone you love and you see them struggling and you just, you want to say something to, to kind of rescue them and help them. Yeah. It's probably a fine line. My kids are so young that it hasn't got to that point yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these parents invest a lot of money, uh, invest a lot of time. So obviously they want them to do good. Um, and just sometimes I think they don't know any better because they, they want their kid to have success and, and play good. Um, and they might not realize by, you know, trying to, um, talk to them and get mad at them and frustrated at them for not performing well, you know, they might think it's helping them, but really it's hindering their performance. Last thing I'll, I want to ask about it, just because I, I get this all the time from parents and uh, you're just trying to talk to the hitters that I work with uh, just in the private sector when I'm back home, breakfast. I feel like no kids are hungry and want to eat breakfast. It's always Pop-Tarts and Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal. I mean, it, do you have a, a, a recommendation to help get kids going in the morning? I think what you said earlier with the oatmeal it's hard. It's hard to uh, beat that, you know, good oatmeal with some fruit, some peanut butter. Um, that's a good go-to and it doesn't take too much time. You know, I'm dealing with that right now with my kids, you know, they just want kind of cereal, stuff like that. And, you know, at a young age, it's hard to, you know, you try to steer them in the right direction, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, eggs, eggs is a great go-to simple to make. Um, they do have healthier cereals out there, but I think a bowl of oatmeal is a good go-to for someone any age. Um, good energy, good carbohydrates, good, you know, you can add in the protein for good fat, good, good protein, um, or sorry, add in the peanut butter for good fat and good protein. Um, then some fruit, make it tasty, put some raw honey on it. Um, I think that's a good option. Okay. Brandon, appreciate you coming on today. Um, everyone who's listening, we'll put the link in the show notes, but if you're listening and you just want to go right to it, his website is fullyequippedathlete.com. Um, so go check him out there. He's got some awesome stuff. He, he's working with with athletes remotely just from a nutritional and mental training standpoint, which is, you know, very overlooked right now. And it's probably should be the number one thing, especially with all the noise going on on social media and everything. So, Brian, appreciate you coming on today, man. 
All right, Patrick. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. I learned a ton from Brandon in that episode, and I hope you did too. Uh, the nutritional advice was fantastic, and it's really can be a low-hanging fruit for some players to take their game to that next level. Um, if you haven't already, make sure to head on over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Hope everyone is doing well, and, and hopefully we can get back to uh, normalcy pretty soon. So I'll see everyone next week.